You are listening to Notes on Refuge on this intuitive public radio. Broadcasting from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the people of the Longhouse, and the original framers of the U.S. Constitution. When the Iroquois Confederacy was borrowed by the settlers who colonized this place, I'm glad to be alive, and I'm so glad that you are listening. Thank you for joining us. Let's see where we're at. We are reading. You can find the link that I'm reading from by navigating to t.me slash intuitive social living slash 185. And there are other messages after that in the same broadcast channel if you'd like to take a look. You can follow my continued reading starting from t.me slash notes on refuge slash 3692. The town of Snowflake was first settled by Mormon pioneers. It is named after Mr. Snow and Mr. Flake. About half of the town population today are members of the Mormon Church. Most people with EI live in a rural neighborhood about eight miles east of Snowflake. Others live further away. The rural area east of town is an eclectic mix of country folk, old hippies, EIs, and survivalists. A large neighborhood of hippies is located a few miles east of the main EI neighborhood. Navajo County stretches up to the Utah state line and is a thinly populated county with a little over 100,000 inhabitants. The large Navajo and Apache Indian reservations are located at each end of the county. The county seat is Holbrook which also sees a lot of tourist traffic in the summer. The main shopping town is Sholo to the south that also serves a large area of vacation homes in the surrounding mountains. The smaller towns of Pinetop and Lakeside are a little more upscale. Apache County starts about 18 miles east of Snowflake. Some community members live there. Apache County is poorer more rural, and less sophisticated than Navajo County. The politics of Snowflake and the two counties is very conservative and pro-development. There are hundreds of off-grid solar homes in the area. It is not seen as something that just green-minded people do. Land well beyond the electrical grid is inexpensive, attracting many kinds of people. The EI neighborhood is located at 5,800 feet, or 1,800 meters elevation, in the high desert of Arizona. The area receives about 12 inches, or 300 millimeters, of rain a year, mostly during the summer monsoon. There's an image here the caption of which reads, Snowflake is located about a mile above sea level and has a four-season climate. The ground is rarely covered with snow for more than a day at a time. The image is a distant view of houses and some brush with a snow-covered road towards the house, a light, a light covering of snow, and a very clear blue sky. The high elevation provides for a cooler climate than in the low deserts of southern Arizona. The summers are moderate, with daytime temperatures typically in the low 90s, low 30s centigrade. The low humidity makes higher temperatures more comfortable than they would be in a more humid climate. The dry and thin air means the air does not hold the heat as well, so the temperature varies greatly between night and day, 
especially during spring and fall. It's not uncommon to have a fall day with 28 degrees Fahrenheit at sunrise and 68 degrees Fahrenheit in the afternoon or Celsius, negative 2 degrees Celsius at sunrise and 20 degrees Celsius in the afternoon. Most homes do not have air conditioning. Instead, people cool their houses with open windows at night. People living in travel trailers may need air conditioning during summer days. The winter nights are cold, often in the teens, negative 20 degrees Celsius, but most days are very sunny and usually in the 40s Fahrenheit, which is 5 to 10 degrees Celsius in the afternoon. Snow falls occasionally, rarely stays for more than a day or two. The heating season is six to seven months, depending on how well the house is built. It's a windy climate. The wind blows most days in April and May, where it can be quite annoying with typical afternoon wind gusts of 20 to 30 miles per hour, sometimes more. The wind can blow dust into the air, though we do not get real dust storms here. The dry climate may take some time to get used to. Newcomers sometimes have nosebleeds in the first months. The air quality is exceptionally good most of the year, much better than any city or suburb. There are no major sources of air pollution within 10 miles of the neighborhood and only a few within 100 miles. The nearby Petrified Forest National Park is listed as a Class I most protected area in the Clean Air Act, which encourages low air pollution levels in the general area. The larger area has some pollution sources, though their impact is small compared to most other areas in the United States. Three coal-fired power plants operate in the region. One is at Joseph City, about 20 miles to the northwest. Two other plants are about 35 miles to the east. The prevailing winds are from the southwest and west. It is very rare that pollution is carried towards the MCS neighborhood. It has never been a problem. A smaller biomass power plant is located about 15 minutes to the west of the EI neighborhood. It burns wood chips that are left over from tree cutting in the White Mountain region. Considered a waste product, the wood would otherwise be burned in big slash piles. A large pig farm is located 10 miles north of Snowflake. The stench of manure can sometimes be smelled 15 miles away when directly downwind and after a rain. The season for forest fires in the southwest is during the months of May and June, before the monsoon. Forest fires can send smoke to the area from forests to the south and west. Most years, there are days when some people stay inside with closed windows to avoid the smoke from distant forest fires. However, it was only during the large 2002 Rodeo Chadiski fire, upwind and only 30 miles away, that several people moved away for a few days to escape the smoke. The Forest Service does prescribed burnings in the forests south of Snowflake every spring and fall to prevent the big out-of-control forest fires. Even though the forests are at least 30 miles away, the smoke can be bothersome when carried up by the wind. Smoke from forest fires can travel hundreds of miles and is an issue throughout the western United States. This image found at eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflakecommunity.htm A large diamond-shaped orange sign that says mowers ahead and a large construction vehicle on a dusty road with brush in the background and a lightly clouded blue sky. The caption reads, Weeds along county roads are mowed instead of sprayed with herbicides. The Arizona Department of Transportation sprays herbicides along Highway 77 and Interstate multiple times a year. All county roads are mowed. None are sprayed.
The climate is too dry for large-scale farming. Open land is used for free-range cattle instead. There is some small-scale irrigation farming around the town of Snowflake. There are no mines in the area. Some years ago, potash mines were considered for the area around petrified forest, but those plants have been abandoned. Oil companies have drilled for oil and gas in the area and didn't find anything. The nearest gas wells are 35 miles to the east, with a few oil wells 30 miles to the north. The above list of pollution sources may seem scary to some, but it is really very little, as they are spread out over an enormous area. Try to consider all the many smaller sources of pollution in a more populated area, perhaps within just 10 miles away from your present home, how many houses with wood stoves or fireplaces, how many lawns that are sprayed, how many clothes dryers, gas stations, dry cleaners, body shops, cars, trucks, etc. It all adds up. Even if they may not seem as ominous as a single smokestack 20 miles away. Vegetation, mold, and pollen. The climate is dry, high desert with little vegetation. Some areas have dense stands of juniper bushes while the rest is mostly native grasses. The juniper pollen season in March is bothersome to many, and there are some flower and grass pollens in August through September. On hot days, the junipers evaporate terpenes that bother some people. They smell similar to wood smoke or remote brush fires. Most of the EI houses are built in areas with few junipers to avoid these problems. The dry climate inhibits mold growth, though any house can have mold inside it due to moisture from cooking, bathing, roof leaks, etc. There are dormant molds in the soil, which can become activated by the monsoon and become and, and be bothersome. The fungus-causing valley fever does not live in northern Arizona. The mold and pollen levels are generally much lower than they are in more humid climates. Critters. The cold winds and dry climate limits the number of critters. Snakes and scorpions exist here, but are rarely seen. They prefer the lower elevations where they are much more common. There is enough moisture during the summer monsoon to support flies, while mosquitoes are rare. There are some spiders in the area, including a small version of the tarantula. The centipede is a many-legged creature about two inches long with a nasty bite, which must be avoided, however. The only bugs that businesses may spray pesticides for are ants and centipedes. Many businesses, including the post office, do spray on a schedule. A few towns in the general area do have mosquitoes and use aerial sprayings, St. John's, Springerville, but they are 30 to 50 miles away and few of us ever need to go there. Dust mites and other microscopic critters that take moisture from the air have difficulty living in our dry climate. You are listening to Intuitive Social Living and Notes on Refuge on this Intuitive Public Radio. Electropollution. The levels of electropollution are generally low in the Snowflake area. The exception is the town of Holbrook, which has five large transmission towers and measured regime and measured radio frequency levels well above anywhere else in the area. The town of Snowflake presently has rather low readings. There are two cell towers in the town itself and towers some miles to the north, east, and south of town. None of the towers are close to the health food store or grocery stores. The EI neighborhood is eight miles east of Snowflake, the nearest tower is five miles from the neighborhood. Only the off-grid areas have greater distances to towers. 
wireless mesh smart meters were installed in the area in October 2013. Thanks to local activists, the electrical company allows anyone to opt out. The electropollution from neighbors is low in the rural areas as most parcels are zoned for 20 acres per house. Two 500 kilovolt power lines cross the area. People are advised not to live within a mile of them. The table shows typical 2018 ambient daytime levels for the central EI neighborhood as well as a more remote area with no grid power and very few homes. The nighttime RF levels are much lower. This grid reads two columns labeled EI neighborhood and off-grid area, three rows entitled ground currents, radio frequency, and dirty electricity. Ground currents in the EI neighborhood, 0.01 milligos. Ground currents in the off-grid area, 0.001 milligos. Radio frequency, 10 UW slash M squared in the EI neighborhood. And I don't understand these at all, but I hope to someday soon. 1 UW slash M squared in the off-grid area. 20 gram Stetzer units of dirty electricity in the EI neighborhood. No grid at all in the off-grid area. I'll keep reading. The actual values can vary dramatically with the specific house site and can be greatly influenced by the neighbor's power lines, etc. Any electrical problems inside a house can dramatically raise the level, the levels. This is so interesting, and I there's a lot of this I don't understand, and I'm really glad to be learning about it. With your help, kind listener, thank you for joining us. If you're comparing these numbers with your own, this page reads, or if you're comparing them with other sources, make sure to use the same units. Several common units for radio frequencies look much alike. We use the microwatt per square meter unit. Microwatt per square meter. MW slash M squared. We use the microwatt per square meter unit. A microwatt is one one thousandth of a milliwatt, which is commonly used in areas with higher radiation levels. For comparison with other scales, I will not read this. It's scrambling my brain, but I will skip past it with gratitude and read you the URL again. Wellspring, excuse me, eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflake community dot htm. I'm about, I'm a little more than halfway down the page. The listed numbers are all low compared to what is typically found in towns, suburbs, and cities in the United States. The radiation level in American towns is often in the 100 to 1,000 UW slash M squared range, while densely populated areas can exceed 10. I don't understand, but I will keep reading. Noise. The rural areas have some of the lowest noise levels in the United States, which was documented by a community study in 2010, as well as by other studies. The background noise level in the central EI community was 22 decibels, dBA, while the more remote areas were even lower. People who visit often comment on how quiet the area is. You are listening to Intuitive Social Living, and we are reading from eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflakecommunity.htm. We are broadcasting to Notes on Refuge, which you will find at anchor.fm slash Notes on Refuge. And we are also broadcasting to our main station at anchor.fm slash intuitive. And we're very grateful, kind listeners, for you as you bear with our scramble brains. I'm going to keep reading from this wonderful page. The section I am on now is water. 
a little more than halfway down what is a very long page. Most houses in Snowflake have their own well, which is typically 300 to 400 feet deep, or 100 to 130 meters deep. A well costs about $15,000, so some people have chosen to have a storage tank and have water delivered by a truck, or they haul it themselves. The well water is pristine and has not been polluted by pesticides or other chemicals. There are no mining, major agriculture, industry, or oil or gas operations in the area or on the groundwater path from the mountains, so the water should continue to be unpolluted. The groundwater has a naturally high mineral content, especially iron, but there's no toxic arsenic. Environmentally sensitive people need to filter the water with reverse osmosis, RO, before drinking it. Most EI houses have reverse osmosis systems, while some buy reverse osmosis filtered water from machines in town, bring your own one-gallon glass bottles. Most homes use whole house water softeners, while a few also had to install whole house iron filters. There are areas where the mineral content is so high the water is not usable at all, particularly the area east and north of Holbrook. There are no looming water shortages in this area, unlike many other parts of the southwest. We are hopping from station to station because that is the way we are able to operate. Some portions of this article are being read at anchor.fm slash intuitive, and some of them are being read at anchor.fm slash notes on refuge. I can't quite reflect on this game while I'm playing it, but I'm very glad to still be reading this to you because it allows my brain to comprehend it. And it's information that for me as well as others, is crucially needed. Local media. There are six local FM radio stations, and national public radio can be received with a good antenna. There is a community TV station in Sholo, but there is no reception in Snowflake. The only TV available is via satellite receivers. Snowflake is served by the Silver Creek Herald newspaper, though the regional White Mountain Independent has much better coverage. Communication. There are telephone landlines in most areas. Most of the off-grid areas do not have landlines. Cell phone and 3G, 4G service now reaches all areas. The telephone company offers wired DSL internet service in most areas with telephone service, but not all. Some people use the computers at the public library in Snowflake or at the community college. The postal service doesn't deliver mail to individual homes on unpaved roads. People living in these areas will have to pick up their mail from a post office box in town or a rural mailbox on a paved road. People commonly gather their mail a couple of times a week. UPS and FedEx deliver to all addresses. Recreation. Various types of outdoor recreation is available. The area south of Snowflake offers many hiking trails, lakes to boat on and fish in, and a ski resort during the winter months. There are also some good hiking areas along Silver Creek Canyon north of Snowflake. The mountains south of Snowflake can provide a respite from the summer heat and for people longing to see forests and lakes instead of the desert. There are outdoor festivals of various kinds in the different little towns throughout summer. The annual festival in Snowflake is Pioneer Days in late July that includes a parade well worth seeing. Perhaps the largest festival in the area is held the Saturday before Thanksgiving in Winslow. There are various forms of indoor live entertainment, such as the White Mountain Symphony Orchestra, bands playing at the Honda Casino, and the frequent Snowflake High School plays. Very few of us can attend indoor events, 
but they may be of interest to healthy family members. Shopping. The Snowflake area has a Walmart, two grocery stores, and various businesses offering photocopies, auto repair, hardware, etc. The town of Sholo has an assortment of big box stores. A wide variety of fresh and boxed organic foods are available from a health food store in Snowflake. Most of the grocery stores also carry some organic foods. Three large health food supermarkets are available two hours away in Flagstaff, which also has more specialty stores. Additional organic produce, etc., is available by mail order from Phoenix at reasonable cost and through the Azure Co-op, which delivers monthly. Medical care. There are no environmental physicians in the region. The closest ones are in Santa Fe and Los Alamos, New Mexico, and Benson, east of Tucson. There's a naturopath, Dr. Nichols, NMD, who will work with us, but cannot offer much EI-specific assistance. He does not take Medicare or any other insurance, but his fees are lower than the MDs in town. His clinic is fragrance-free, and he will come to your home if necessary. There used to be two conventional clinics in Snowflake that were friendly to us, but one closed and the other got new management and made other changes and is no longer helpful to us. Some now go to a friendly MD in Sholo, though the clinic is not safe to be in. There are various specialist physicians in the area. There are some traveling specialist physicians who come to the area a few times a month. However, people sometimes have to travel to Phoenix, Tucson, or Flagstaff for specialists. The hospital is in Sholo. There have been some contacts with the EI community, and the policy is that the staff does not use fragrances. The air quality in the patient rooms is excellent. The electropollution is very high, however. There are transmitters on the roof and next door. Each patient room has a staff-used computer as well as other electronics. The staff has been very accommodating when we had to go there. The hospital performs various types of surgery, though some complicated surgeries are referred to Phoenix. One snowflake dentist, Dr. Sierra, has a good understanding of MCS, EHS, access issues, and a very safe clinic. He will accommodate if advised in advance. There is otherwise little alternative health care available in the area. Some people go to Flagstaff. The towns of Prescott and Sedona have world-class offerings, but they're far away for a day trip. Social services. The social services in the Snowflake area available from public sources are very rudimentary compared to what is available in more liberal states. We do have people who are too sick to drive themselves, go shopping, or other chores. They hire local people to help and pay out of their own pocket. Some of the community members make a little extra income that way, while more involved help is provided by regular people who live in the area. The degree to which helpers are willing to refrain from using toxic personal care and laundry products varies. Don't expect them to fully clean up their lifestyle. Education. The Arizona public schools generally rank low compared to other states, which is typical for the Sun Belt. There is a private school in Snowflake, George Washington Academy, and multiple private schools in the Sholo area, including a Montessori school. We do not know whether any of the schools will accommodate a child with special environmental needs. We have not had any school-age children in our community for well over a decade, and they were all homeschooled. There is a small community college with branches in Sholo, Holbrook, and Snowflake that is part of the Northland Pioneer System. The nearest university is Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff that cooperates with the Northland Pioneer System. Employment opportunities around Snowflake are very limited. A major employer in the area is the Navajo County Administration in Holbrook. Healthy people moving here with a sick family member have found employment, but it is not easy and may require a major pay cut 
though the cost of living is lower than in the city. Social life. The EI community consists of all sorts of people from many backgrounds. Some keep to themselves while others join in the opportunities for social interaction with the rest of the community. Most major holidays are celebrated as well as several birthdays each year. As the community has grown, it is no longer feasible to host parties for the whole community as was the norm until recent years. Like many communities, people help each other in need as long as it is appropriate and balanced. People who need ongoing help hire people for shopping and other services. The EI community enjoys good relations with the nearby hippie community, consisting of about 50 households. Many of them do organic gardening and usually use less toxic personal care products. The two communities have joined forces opposing developers a few times. There is an image on this page at eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflakecommunity.htm of three people in white clothing doing what looks like arm exercises. One has their head covered with eye protection. The others have their heads uncovered with variously their arms up over their heads or out to the sides. One in closed dark colored shoes, one in sandals with white socks, one in bare feet on a tile floor in what looks like a foyer or hallway with white walls, wood-colored doors, and a piece of art, or it's a piece of art. It is a goose flying through a deep blue sky that looks like it's made of glass or mosaic tile. The caption reads, three community members perform a skit during a community celebration. Doctors, scientists, and others with an interest in MCS and EHS and related issues have occasionally visited the community. Some people use a local senior center which makes good efforts to be less toxic. Fitting in. This is a community for people with both MCS and EHS. Most have both illnesses, but some have only one. If you are lucky enough to only have one of these illnesses, you may consider embracing both lifestyles if you wish to participate in the social life. If you use fragrant or toxic products daily, it is not possible for you to just take a shower and be clean enough to visit someone with MCS. Our community has been burdened a few times with newcomers who were prone to conflicts. Some people with environmental illness tend to be angry at the world and create conflict with their neighbors no matter where they go. If this is you, this community will not make your world any more pleasant. No place will. I'm going to stop reading for a moment because my experience and our experience in this intuitive community network that we are coordinating together is that people who seem to create conflict with their neighbors no matter where they go are people who need different kinds of trauma support in community with others and often different kinds of trauma support in ways that are not in community with others so that they are also supported in having space and time away from social activities. Intuitive Public Radio and Intuitive Social Incubator, among many of our other projects, are very much centered on making sure that resources and social connectivity is provided sufficiently to people with trauma, with severe trauma. And there are many of these people in the EI community. And it's still extremely difficult for them to find help, even though more help is being coordinated because many people don't understand the trauma that these individuals are experiencing ongoing, and they don't have any way to address it together safely. So that's something very close to my heart and something that we are all working together on here. 
I'm grateful to be reading this page and recognizing that, that there are even more ways that we can help one another. Communities that provide refuge for survivors of severe environmental traumas, illnesses, and injuries often do not know what to do when there is too much conflict for stress levels. And we need to gather together resources that help us know how to proceed in all of these situations we find ourselves in. So that individuals who have experienced extremity are not excluded from the solutions that most benefit them. So that's what we're working on. This page is a great page. I'm going to keep reading. Scramble brain, scramble brain. Where are we posting this? Anchor.fm slash intuitive. You are listening to a broadcast sent from t.me slash intuitive social living. If you want to visit our Telegram channel, you can by navigating to t.me slash intuitive social living slash 185 is where our messages begin. And there are portions that you may have missed that you might like to catch at t.me slash notes on refuge slash 3692 or the anchor station at anchor.fm slash notes on refuge. This next section at eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflake community dot htm, a URL that I am managing to memorize, repeating it to you, which gives me a big smile. Activism. We have a couple of people who do activist work on an ongoing basis to promote the civil rights of people with environmental disabilities. Other community members have joined in from time to time, especially when there was a local threat, such as when smart meters were rolled out. Activist work is particularly difficult to do with our disabilities and reduced income. The halls of power are also far away from Snowflake. Housing. There are both rental houses and privately owned homes in the EI community. Most houses are purpose built by contractors who are experienced in MCS-EHS housing, though the owner is usually involved on a daily basis. Several owners camped in tents, cars, or trailers while their houses were built. The zoning in most rural areas requires a minimum of 20 acres, or 8 hectares, for each home, ensuring that the, that the area stays rural. Land is affordable, making such large lots economical. There is no communally owned land. Most of the MCS EHS homes are connected to the electrical grid, but several are in off-grid areas and powered by solar panels. Several homes have been built for around $175,000 to $225,000, everything included. Off-grid solar houses can be cheaper, while fancier homes can cost much more. The owner's project management skills can also greatly impact the total cost. There are sometimes houses for rent or sale. The availability varies, and there isn't any official waiting list except for the state-funded rental houses. Some people get a local contact to stay informed. Some have simply camped in the area for months in order to secure a rental. This photo captioned the four rental houses built by the state of Arizona shows a cloud-free blue sky, an unpaved road with, with an unpaved ground around the rental houses with dusky red roofs and brown siding that matches the desert with white doorways and uncovered windows. The state of Arizona built four specially designed, less toxic, low EMF houses in the neighborhood. 
which are rented to people with environmental illness who also have a low income. Pictures and more information about the state rental houses are available at eiwellspring.org slash multi-unit slash azpublichousingproject.htm. The waiting list is very long, but consider signing up anyway. You may be very glad you did when you get to the top. It also helps us document the need for more housing. Covenants. There are no general EI covenants restricting what people can do. The area was developed piecemeal and not from one subdivided tract, making it very difficult to install a covenant. A covenant does not seem necessary since the houses are so far apart. A restrictive covenant would also make financing a house much more difficult, and a court may throw it out anyway if someone challenges it. A few people have put covenants on land they subdivided themselves. The rental houses have their own rules because they're so close together. There is a land use community plan in effect for the area that discourages toxic developments and toxic businesses. It was enacted in 2006 after extensive community meetings. The plan was signed by two county officials, but it has only weak legal standing. You are listening to Notes on Refuge on this intuitive public radio and some portions of what I am reading now from eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflakecommunity.htm are being published at anchor.fm slash intuitive and anchor.fm slash notes on refuge. And I have tried to sort out my brain to have an orderly posting of portions for the Notes on Refuge station and for the main intuitive anchor station. And my brain is completely scrambled. I can't remember what goes where. So it will go where it goes. And um, at least I'm smiling about it. Holy moly. I'm getting a lot of good juice out of reading this page because I need the information on it. Reading it out loud to people I care about who care for me is the only way my brain can absorb it. And we are getting somewhere with this. These details fit into a number of initiatives we're engaged in to find safety for people who need it. I may be scramble-brained and not being able to tell what I'm posting to which station, but making any kind of progress is amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Let's keep going. Ready? This should go to Notes on Refuge as well as the main intuitive station. Do people get well from moving to Snowflake? Most people who move here see some improvement in their overall health, but living here is not a magic cure. We've had several people live here for a few years who recovered enough that they were able to move back to where they came from and live there in a modified house. It is rare that people get fully cured, but most see some improvements. Most of us become better at tolerating the regular world for a short time, as long as we can go back to our safe houses and recover from the exposures. That matches my experience. It is rare that people get fully cured. Oh, excuse me. Next paragraph. People with severe allergies tend to feel much better here since they may not be allergic to any of the vegetation. After some years, they may become allergic to the desert vegetation, though the levels of pollen, mold, and terpenes are low compared to a wetter climate. The high elevation is a problem for some people. Some are able to adjust to the thinner air after some weeks, but others are not and should not live here. Some newcomers have never lived in a less toxic place before and are so overloaded with daily exposures that they are not aware of everything that affects them. They may even use some toxic personal care products they believe are not harming them. After living here for some, month, for some weeks or months, 
they tend to unmask where they find out the true level of their sensitivities. This can seem like they are getting worse, but is simply a process where they need to change or eliminate foods, clothing items, laundry products, and personal care products that they are finally now able to see are a problem. This is a scary process, but necessary to feel better than when they arrived. A few do not succeed and come to believe that somehow living here made them worse. I will pause reading and comment on my own experience of toxicant-induced loss of tolerance, which I have initiated using mold avoidance, using camping strategies, uh, using avoidance in the house in which I am now living. It is a very scary experience, but with support, it can be navigated safely. It can be extremely interesting. It can be extremely life-affirming to recognize that you're able to determine your safety in your environment in different ways than you've been told that you could. It's, it's, it's gratifying and existentially satisfying to be able to communicate with your body effectively rather than ignoring or repressing the things that society doesn't want us to sense or understand or believe about how we're affected by particulates and by electromagnetic fields. And there's all this stuff that is misinformation in the culture we're living in. And to free ourselves from those misunderstandings allows us to care for one another so much better, allows us to live much fuller lives, allows us to share more nourishment with one another. So people are afraid of this process and it is terrorizing when you're in it and the people around you are insisting that you should expose yourself to things that, that are very clearly life-threatening if you are heeding the signals of your body. It's terrorizing. But this also for all of us is an opportunity to find out what happens when we support one another really in community and get our needs met on the basis of, of, of what each person says they need and stop being all tangled up in, in, in what we're supposed to not say and what we're supposed to say and whose authority over our bodies is the best authority. You know, there's no argument anymore. Each of us has the best authority over each of our bodies. I am very gratified to read about a community that is working in any way on these things, and I know that there are others out there. And I know that investigating takes uh, some amount of bravery for anybody. Thanks for reading this page with me. Visiting the Snowflake Community. We get about 10 visitors a year who come to see if this is a place for them to move to. Some come back later, a few never leave. People need to arrive with their own transportation. There is no public transportation and the distances are too great for walking. Be aware that people here may be much more sensitive than yourself. Most of us avoid cell phones and when we come home from town, most of us take a shower and put on clean clothes. While in town, our hair and clothes will pick up fragrances and other contaminants, which will have to be removed before we can start feeling better again. We know that visitors rarely arrive really clean, especially people who have not lived around other sensitive people. So please do not be offended if you're not invited inside a house or you're politely offered a shower and some clean clothes to borrow during your visit. We often cannot smell the clothes we wear ourselves, but they can make us and others sick just as well. You may feel better yourself. Visitors are also expected to fully turn off their cell phones, chargers, and other electronics. Making them silent is not enough. They must be fully off 
so they cannot receive calls in any way. If you feel you need to make a call using a cell phone, please do not do it inside anyone's house, but go outside at least 50 feet or 15 meters from the house. The best time to visit us is summer and fall. Avoid the winter and the month of April when the storms roll through. Temporary lodging. The best, less toxic commercial lodging is in La Posada in Winslow, one hour away, that is built and maintained with natural materials and generally avoids fragrances, pesticides, and toxic cleaners. Campers like Fool Hollow Lake in Sholo and Lyman State, excuse me, Lyman Lake State Park south of St. John's. Dispersed camping is possible on the Lyman Lake Beach, but there is a cell tower close by. Some visitors have slept in their car or travel trailer in someone's driveway, though such lodging must be arranged privately before arriving. We have people camping here most summers. The season is May through October. The rest of the year is too cold for camping. Community contact. You can send an email to our community contact on snowflakex at eiwellspring.org. Type in the email address without the X. This reduces the amount of spam emails. So excuse me, I will read it correctly. The email address to use to make contact with the Snowflake community is snowflake at eiwellspring.org. More information can be found at the Arizona webpage of the EI Wellspring, eiwellspring.org slash arizonalocal.html for additional information about Snowflake and other Arizona MCS EHS communities. The page is dated 2012. It says last updated 2018. Once again, the page I have been reading from is eiwellspring.org slash Arizona slash snowflakecommunity.htm.